Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 10 of Hoofbeats on the Turnpike by Mildred A. Wirt Benson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Cheryl Adam, Skowhegan, Maine, 2016. Chapter 10. Barn Dance. Mr. Burmaster was too distracted to pay heed to Penny and Louise. Brushing past them, he hastened after his wife. Neither of the girls commented on the conversation they had overheard. For a long while, they sat on their horses, gazing in awe at the tumbling water. If ever that dam should go, Penny shuddered. Why, the valley would be flooded in just a few minutes. I doubt folks could be warned in time. It looks as if it could give way any second, too, Louise added uneasily. Why don't we just get out of this valley and stay away? And forget the mystery? A lot of good a mystery will do us if that dam lets go. Penny, we were crazy to come here in the first place. But I want to get a big story for Dad's paper. There's one here. I know not what course others may take, Louise quoted grandly. As for myself, I'm going home on tomorrow's train, rain or shine. We'll both have to go, Penny agreed in a discouraged tone. I had my chance here, but somehow I've muffed it. For a half hour longer, the girls remained at the dam watching the workmen. Presently returning to the Lear cottage, they found Mrs. Lear in the warm kitchen cooking supper. I'm setting the victuals on early tonight, she announced. We ain't got any too much time to get to the frolic at Silas's place. Penny and Louise were not sure that they cared to attend the barn dance. Mrs. Lear, however, was deaf to all excuses. She whisked supper onto the table, and the instant dishes were done, said that she would hitch Trinidad to the buggy. It won't take us long to get there, she encouraged the girls as they reluctantly followed her to the barn. Trinidad's a fast-stepping critter, best hoss in the county for that matter. Soon the ancient buggy was rattling at a brisk clip along the winding woodland road. Mrs. Lear allowed Trinidad to slacken pace as they neared the Burmaster estate. Look at that house, she chortled, waving her buggy whip. Every light in the place lit up. Know why? Mrs. Burmaster's afeard of her shatter. Come dark and she's scared to stick her nose out the door. You don't seem to be afraid of anything, Penny remarked in admiration. Me afeard? The old lady laughed gleefully. What's there to be scared of? 
Well, perhaps a certain headless horseman. Mrs. Lear hooted. If I was to see that critter a-coming right now, and he had twenty heads, I wouldn't even bat an eye. Horse and buggy approached the giant tulip tree whose gnarled branches were twisted into fantastic shapes. You see that tree? Mrs. Lear demanded. In revolutionary days, a traitor was hanged from that lower limb. Sometimes you can still hear his spirit a-sighing and a-moaning. You mean the wind whistling through the tree limbs, Penny supplied. Didn't sound like wind to me, Mrs. Lear corrected with a grin. There's some that's afeard to pass under this tree come night, but not me. The buggy rattled on, its top brushing against the overhanging branches of the giant tulip. It had grown very dark, and the shadows of the woods had a depressing effect upon the girls. They were glad to see the lights of the Malcolm place on the hill, and even more pleased to drive into the yard. You gals go right on in, Mrs. Lear advised, leaping lightly from the buggy. I'll look after Trinidad. The barn dance already was in progress. Crossing the yard, the girls could hear gay laughter above the lively squeak of fiddles. Through the open barn door, they glimpsed a throng of young people whirling in the intricate steps of a square dance. We're certain to be wallflowers at a party such as this, Louise remarked sadly. The girls found themselves a quiet corner from which to watch the merrymakers. However, they were not permitted to remain there. At the end of the first dance, Joe Quigley came to ask Penny for a dance. To Louise's secret joy, he brought along a young man who promptly invited her to be his partner. But we don't even know how to square dance, Penny protested. Won't take you long to learn, Joe chuckled, pulling her to her feet. The fiddler broke into a lively tune. Silas Malcolm, acting as caller, shouted boisterous directions to the dancers. Balance all, swing eight, swing em like a swingin' on a gate. Joe Quigley, expert dancer that he was, fairly swept Penny through the intricate formations. Before she hardly was aware of it, the dance was over, and Silas called out, Meet your partner and promenade home. After that, the girls did not lack for partners. The night sped on magic wings. Penny danced many times with Joe and ate supper with him. Then, noticing that the party was starting to break up, she looked about for Mrs. Lear. The old lady was nowhere to be seen, nor could Louise recall having seen her for the past half hour. Somewhat disturbed, they crossed the room to talk to old Silas Malcolm. Mrs. Lear went home a good hour ago, he told them. She said she had to get some sleep, but you gals was having so much fun, she didn't have the heart to take you away. Penny and Louise could not hide their consternation. With Mrs. Lear gone, they would have no way of getting back to the cottage. Don't you worry none, old Silas chuckled. Joe quickly will come to take you home, and if he don't, there's plenty of young bucks just a-waitin' for the chance. The arrangement was not in the least to the girls' liking. The party, they could see, rapidly was breaking up. Joe Quigley seemed to have disappeared. Nearly all of the girls except themselves were supplied with escorts. I don't like this, not one little bit, Penny muttered. 
Let's get out of here, Lou." "How will we get back to Mrs. Lear's place?" "Walk." "Without an escort?" "It's not far." "We'll have to pass the Burmaster place and that horrid tulip tree." "Who's afraid of a tulip tree?" Penny laughed. "Come on, if we don't get away quickly, Old Silas will ask some young man to take us home. That would be humiliating." Louise reluctantly followed her chum. The girls obtained their wraps and, without attracting attention, slipped out a side door. "'Why do you suppose Mrs. Lear slipped off without saying a word?' Louise complained as she and Penny walked rapidly along the dark, muddy road. "'Our shoes will be ruined.' "'So is my ego,' Penny added irritably. "'Joe Quigley certainly let us down, too. He was attentive enough until after supper. Then he simply vanished.' The night was very dark, for driving clouds had blotted out the stars. Overhanging trees cast a cavernous gloom upon the twisting hillside road. Louise caught herself shivering. Sternly, she told herself that it came from the cold air, rather than nervousness. Presently, the girls approached the Burmaster estate. No lights were burning, but the rambling building loomed up white and ghost-like through the trees. I'll breathe naturally when we're across the bridge, Penny admitted with a laugh. If Mr. Burmaster keeps a guard hidden in the bushes, the fellow might heave a rock at us on general principles. There was no sign of anyone near the estate, yet both Penny and Louise sensed that they were being watched. The unpleasant sensation of uneasiness increased as they drew nearer to the footbridge. Penny, I'm scared, Louise suddenly admitted. What? Penny asked with forced cheerfulness. It's too quiet. The half-whispered words died on Louise's lips. Unexpectedly, the stillness of the night was broken by the clatter of hoofbeats. Startled, the girls whirled around. A horse with a rider had plunged through the dense bushes only a short distance behind them. At a hard run, he came straight toward the footbridge. The ghost rider! Louise whispered in terror. She and Penny stood frozen in their tracks. Plainly, they could see the white-robed figure. His lumpy, misshapen hulk seemed rigidly fastened to the horse. Where his head should have been, there was only a nub. End of chapter 10